Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I will let you figure that one out on your own, but it does have uh, some ties to a TV show by the way it's done, so we'll see how, how tuned in to the TV you are, all right, so um, Tari got it, so okay, so anyway, uh, 500 times in scripture, over 500 times, the idea of lambs or sheep is mentioned. Um, we don't have much frame of reference for that. We, when we start talking about Jesus, we begin to talk about Jesus, and, and I think what we tune into is the concept of Jesus as the lion. We, we, since we're all into like bald eagles and majestic animals, we think of Jesus as the lion, and we like that, but we miss the fact that he's also a lamb. I, said, I asked last week, how many of you grew up on a sheep farm, and lo and behold, we had one member of our congregation raise her hand, Michelle Ternes raised her hand and said, I grew up on a sheep farm, so, but we don't have that kind of frame of reference for us. Uh, we just don't, it, it's hard for us to understand. And so when we read in the Psalms, in particular Psalm chapter 23, which we're spending time in, uh, because it resonates, I don't know why it resonates so much with everybody, but it does. And we tend to read it. I mean, people that don't even go to church read Psalm 23 at their funeral, right? Well, they don't read it. Some, okay, so y'all stay with me this morning. Somebody reads it. Okay, y'all, okay. Just want to make sure you stay awake. All right, so there's this deep, um, it, we just tie into it. I just don't think we understand it very much. We're not as sheepish as we should be. And so last week we began to talk about this, and I talked about this fact, and, and we're going to dive in this week, that when you read Psalm 23, we tend to read Psalm 23 as if it's mainly about us. When the truth is it's not really as much about us as it is about our shepherd. Of all the Psalms, Psalms 23 gives us one of the clearest uh, and most insightful looks into who our shepherd is and what he does. And so in order for us to catch this glimpse of what it means when, when we talk about giving our life to Jesus, what does it mean? Because in scriptural terms, biblical terms, we would say we've been born into the body. We've been uh, brought into his flock. And, and since we don't understand sheep, we're like, flock? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm. I'm good with being in a flock. So, what does it mean? What What does that mean? And so we struggle. Well, this passage of scripture that we're going to read today helps us understand what we gain. Why is it so important that we're brought into the flock? What What is this about our shepherd? What's so important about this 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 Jesus we talk about, that uh, being a shepherd. So let's read it because I know you know it and, and it gives us a clear revelation of Jesus' role in our life. So as we read it, don't read it like you're at a funeral. All right? Don't, don't quote it like you just kind of, there's one of the ones I memorized in, in Bible quiz. Read it and look for insight into our shepherd. See what the psalmist says about our shepherd. Here we go. The Lord is my Shepherd. Remember last week he said you've got to make that a personal statement. It's not the Lord is our shepherd. It's he's my shepherd. All right. So you can't be sheepish unless he's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness, or as we learned it, mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 focuses on our shepherd. Now, before we start talking about our shepherd, let me just mention this to you so maybe it'll help you understand that we are sheep. Christians are a lot like sheep. 
We need to understand that because as we begin to follow our shepherd and let him do what he does in our life, you have to come to grips with this concept that you are a sheep. So I don't know that that is as flattering as we would like for it to be because here are some things I found out about sheep. Sheep don't, uh, sheep have to be led. There's a reason for that. You fill in the blank. All right. There's a reason they have to be led. Um, sheep are helpless in the face of predators. They are weak and defenseless. Have you, I mean, come on. When the lion comes out of the bushes after the sheep, does the sheep bow up and say, don't touch me? No. I mean, he's got like nothing. Nothing. he got no sharp teeth. He's got no knives, no daggers. He is dependent on the shepherd to protect him. Right? Okay. Uh, sheep, are, uh, sheep have trouble getting along with other sheep. I ain't even touching. Well, yeah, I am going to here in a minute. Uh, sheep are totally dependent for their well-being upon the shepherd. They ha- the only way they make it in life is if the shepherd does what the shepherd's supposed to do. All right? And then finally, sheep are stubborn and have a tendency to wander away from the shepherd. Okay, all of that so that now that we, when we recognize our own tendencies, we can also recognize how important it is that we have the right shepherd. We must have the right shepherd. So let me state from the beginning that as we begin to, to go through these passages, that, that all of our reluctance to be sheepish should go away. Why is it that we, we struggle and we are reluctant to be sheepish? All right, I'm just going to speak for me, and then you can, because uh, I don't want to talk for you. So let me just say it about me, and then if it applies to you, you can apply it and not be mad at me. All right? Why is it that I struggle to, to allow Jesus to be the shepherd of my life? Why is it when I read the Psalms and I see in Psalm chapter 23 all the things that the shepherd does for me, why would I be reluctant to let him be my shepherd? Okay, this is about me. This is not about you because I'm stupid. That's why. Sheep are not the smartest animal in the kingdom. Okay, y'all didn't like that, so let me just go on. I wasn't talking about you, I was talking about me, because I'm stubborn. I'm I'm strong-willed. I think I know best. Sheep always think they know best, right? They don't think they need a shepherd. Okay, uh, all right, so since we're like sheep, here's what we discover out of the psalm, chapter 23, about our shepherd. Here is the list, all right? I'm going to read you the list so we can just see it right up front, and you will we'll come to grips with We don't need to be reluctant to be sheepish. Here's the list. This is what our shepherd does for us. He guides. He provides. I can't get no help. He restores. He protects. He corrects, and he connects. When you break the psalm, chapter 23, down to its most fundamental, uh, bottom line, common denominator, and get the list down, that's the list that he does for us. He does all of those things. He does one other that I'm going to talk about at the end, but I don't want to mention it because we get hung up on it, and we don't see these first. We should never be reluctant to follow him as our shepherd because this is what he does for us. Okay, y'all are quiet. Um, So let's take a second look, and let me see if I can break this down to you. First of all, he provides and he guides. I've heard it stated that God will never take you where the grace of God can't keep you. I think the psalmist would say it like this. The shepherd won't guide you to a place where he won't provide for you what you need. He does that two different ways that the psalmist mentioned. The first thing he says is that he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So in other words, the psalmist is saying he provides for us. But here's our problem. We read Psalm chapter 23 and we, as a frame of reference, use what we're accustomed to seeing around us. So when I read Psalm chapter 23 about the fact that he makes me lie down in green pastures, in my mind what I see is the green grass and the green pastures around me. But we've forgotten that that, this passage was not written in central Oklahoma where there's an abundance of rain. This passage was written in Israel where there is nothing, Israel is nothing but a bunch of rocks. 
Literally. It is one of the most barren, dry places I've ever been in my life. It, David wrote this in the wilderness of Israel. There is nothing out there. It is dry and barren and hot and desolate. Not only that, they have very little rain between the months of May and October. In fact, we, when I went to Israel in October, we went to a particular site where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we were supposed to hike up about uh, three miles up into one of the caves and look around, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this was October, mind you, there was a rainbow that came over us, and we were like, what this is, what's this about? And it began to sprinkle, and they said, you can't go hike that because there could be a flood. I'm like, it's just sprinkling. They said, you don't understand. We've had so little rain. They said, this is the first any kind of rain we've had in six months. It is dry and barren. So we've got to get the frame of reference right. This is not like driving through central Oklahoma where all the fields are green. You say, well, what difference does that make? It makes a huge amount of difference because when the psalmist declares that our, shepherds make, our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures, we fail to recognize the work associated with that. Green pastures don't just happen, they are created. So in other words, when the psalmist says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, you've got to read the backstory and understand that what that means is that the shepherd's done some work. The shepherd went and removed the rocks. The shepherd went and got rid of the, the, the dry ground. The shepherd went and toiled and planted seed and irrigated it. The shepherd worked to make sure that the sheep would have what they need. Okay, so what does that mean? That means he, that, 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 that the psalmist is saying that our shepherd is working behind the scenes to bless us. And I still can't get no help. Help me this morning. You've got to think about what your shepherd does for you. We take for granted the blessings that God has given us. We act like we deserve it. We act like we did the work for it. We act like when we clock in, we made all this happen by ourselves. We act like the promotion we got was because of us. We act like the, the bank account that we have was because of us. When all along, it was our shepherd working and toiling and pulling strings and doing things behind the scenes to bless us. You need to understand this morning that he has worked the shepherd has worked to get this body ready for you. If you count this as one of the green pastures in your life, and I get to, I, every Sunday, hopefully, every Sunday, I get to run to this place where people love me and people look for me and they notice when I'm gone and they miss me when I'm gone and they check on me and they wrap me up when I'm hurting. That is a green pasture and you need to understand that it just didn't happen. Jesus worked behind the scenes and made this place. He got this place ready for you. If they ever sing a song that pushes your button and blesses you right at the right moment, I was dry and thirsty, and they sang the song, and when they sang that song, my head came up, and I was encouraged. When that happens, you've got to understand it didn't just happen. The shepherd's been working. When one of the messages that are given bless you and change your life and address issues in your life and help you make it in life, you need to understand that doesn't just happen. That's the shepherd working behind the scenes to provide for you green pastures. He's toiling for you. He's working for you. When he gives you a break, when he gives you a vacation, even when you have to go with family. Now, some of y'all don't know, okay? Some of y'all don't. That's, that's the shepherd working for you. See, the, if we're not careful, we have this tendency to overlook the handiwork of our shepherd. And what we need to recognize is when the Bible says, and when we, when we recognize it, he leads me and makes me lay down in green pastures. He's, he's tolling for me. He cares about me. The second thing he does is the Bible says that, that um, the shepherd causes me to uh, walk beside still or quiet waters. You do understand that that is an important statement because here it is, sheep can't swim. And sheep are scared of moving water. They will refuse to drink from moving water because they know they can't swim. If they get in the water and they haven't had their, their wool coat cut down short, they, they sink to the bottom. What, what he's literally saying, have you missed the spit? As, as in, I saw it, I saw it. Um, I, what he's literally, 
I don't even know why I bring that. I ought to just start giving that to you. Uh, what he's literally saying is that the shepherd recognizes the fear of your life. Think about this now. That means the, the shepherd knows what scares you. And he leads you and guides you to places of peace. We know that the enemy of our soul specializes and sometimes we tend to cooperate with chaos. Right? But our shepherd looks out for us and he does his best to guide us into peace. If we would ever become sheepish enough to let Him guide and provide, we would start circumventing and walking around chaos and we would land in beside still waters and there would be peace in our life because our shepherd knows what scares us. I love my shepherd because he guides and he provides. Not only that, he restores. Uh, Tari, you were right on, bro. He restores. We don't, under, we don't even understand what that means. Uh, uh, he's, the, the psalmist says he restores our soul. I've been reading uh, authors that have spent a lot of time with actual sheep because I, you know, I, I don't even know anybody that owns a sheep. But uh, the, the, the closest I ever got to sheep was Mary had a little lamb. I mean, okay. Uh, so I begin to read, and what the authors talk about is this. When a sheep eats... It is necessary for that sheep to lay down for its food to digest. Okay, stay, I'm going somewhere. But here's what happens when they lay down, especially in Israel where it's so craggy and rocky and uneven. They have a tendency, if they're not careful, to begin to lean to one side. Okay, that didn't help you any. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere. So, so they begin to lean to one side and the weight of their wool overtakes them and if they're not careful they lean too far and when they lean too far I'm, I'm going to paint a picture of some, some of y'all on Sunday afternoon after a big lunch you lay down and you lean too far and all of a sudden all four legs come up off the ground and they can no longer roll back over see I knew some of you I knew. alright so this is literally what happens they eat so much, they lay down, they get into a little bowl, uh, and they lay down, and their feet come up, and they end up like a turtle on his back, and they literally cannot stand up. It's called, they have a term for it. Shepherds call that a sheep that's been cast. Stay with me. So a good shepherd, after the sheep eat, begins to look and watch for sheep that have been cast. And they go, because this is, they go and roll them back over, because this is what you've got to understand. When they're in that position, they're totally defenseless, and they're vulnerable. They can literally lay in that position. That they will bleat like crazy for a minute. Then they will just go quiet, their feet sticking up in the air. And they will literally lay there till they die. Or until a predator comes and kills them. And the shepherd on duty watches after his sheep eats and he recognizes there is a cast sheep and he goes and rolls them over and helps them gain their balance. And the psalmist says that the shepherd restores our soul. Our shepherd is on duty, check this out, and he is watching for downcast sheep. Some of you walked in this morning and everything that's gone on in your life has knocked you off balance and you've lost your equilibrium and now you are downcast. You didn't expect the sickness. You didn't expect the trial. You didn't expect the broken heart. You didn't expect the lack. You didn't expect this going on in your life. And now out of nowhere you were doing okay but now you've laid down and your balance has shifted and you find yourself completely and totally vulnerable and unprotected and the shepherd wants wants to come along and will come along and sees you as a downcast sheep and he will tip you back over and he will balance you and he will restore your soul. Listen, this morning you need to understand that the Bible says that God, it, Jesus is the lifter of our head. 
when I get downcast and all I can see is what's wrong and what's no, not going right. And anybody else in the room like me that's an extreme perfectionist always sees what's wrong and it wears on me and it causes me to get unbalanced and I walk in and every picture's crooked and every chair is crooked and nothing is right. And if I'm not careful, I become downcast cast but he is the glory and the lifter of my head and when I get my eyes back on him he restores my soul we have a good good shepherd but then he says he does this too and this is where we get a little nervous he protects he corrects and he connects stay with me this morning the Bible says it like this. The psalmist says it like this. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Okay. All right. So let me see if I can help you this morning. The rod was this uh, short little stick. Because when, when all, all my young days when I would quote that out of memory, the, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I, thought, I didn't understand. Anybody? I just wonder why. What? You got two sticks. What's going on? I mean. Okay, the rod was a short stick. The rod was cut from a sapling, and what they would do is they would cut the, the base of the sapling where the, the roots joined, which would leave, uh, naturally leave a round uh, knob, if you will. And they would clean that knob off, much like the end of a billy club. And then they would uh, whittle down the stick, so the stick part of it, so that it would fit the shepherd's hand perfectly, so they could use it, as a weapon to protect, but also as a means of discipline. Okay, let me help you. Okay, it's like a, it's like a billy club. Um, and so the, 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 the shepherd would learn to throw it with incredible speed and accuracy. There's an author by the name of Philip Keller who was a shepherd, and uh, he spent some time all, going all over the places studying shepherds, and he, he wrote this. He says, uh, I used to watch the African lads, lads having competitions to see who could throw his rod with the greatest accuracy across the greatest distance. The effectiveness of these clubs in the hands of a skilled shepherd was a thrill to watch. The rod was, in fact, an extension of the owner's right arm. It stood as a symbol of strength and power and his authority in any serious situation. The rod was what he relied on to safeguard both his flock and, in, and himself in danger. Furthermore, the rod was the instrument he used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. I could never get over how often and with what accuracy the African herders would hurl their rods at some disobedient sheep. And if the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching a poisonous weed or getting too close to the danger, uh, too close to danger or some to other sort of issue, the rod would go whistling through the air to send the wayward animals scurrying back to the flock. That's what he does with the rod. Discipline is proof of what? Somebody had it. Love. Okay. I, I thought some of the parents would get on. Boundaries are for our own benefit. His rod comforts me. How in the world, man? Anybody ever been disciplined by the shepherd? Okay, just a few. All right, so let me remind you why this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Listen to what he says. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Now, that's important. I want to stop right there and say that again. This is how the writer of Hebrews starts out. He says, have you forgotten this word of encouragement? This word of encouragement. Okay, I want to make sure you get that. He's saying he's encouraging us by about what, what he's about to say. Okay, here it is. Have you forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? One version says this trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. 
The normal experience of children. Only responsible, irresponsible parents lead children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? He goes on and he says this. He says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Wow. I'm going to say that again. If you are not disciplined, then you are not legitimate. Not the sons of God. Did you get that? You're not the true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. May I remind you that the psalmist says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Can I remind you of this fact? The only way you can get to righteousness is through correction. Because the Bible declares this, every man's heart is evil. And if we are left to our own devices and our own thoughts and our own ways, we will march and live our lives in an evil slant. That We call it being bent towards. We are bent towards evil. But the shepherd, the good shepherd of our life comes along and he guides us and leads us and hurls his rod at us to stop us in that bent so that we become more like him and become more righteous. We don't like to talk about discipline, but I need to tell you this morning, the fact that he corrects you ought to comfort you. Because if he's no longer correcting you, then that means he's turned you over to your reprobate mind and he's let you go. I'm thankful this morning that my shepherd, my shepherd, corrects me. It's comforting to know that he loves me enough to correct me, that he has my best interest at heart, that he's a father who disciplines, that this rod that protects me, it protects me from, from threats and the enemy and all the dangers, but it also protects me from me. Too many of us want the comfort of the staff, but we refuse the, the correction of the rod. But to be sheepish, we have to let him correct and speak into our lives. So his rod comforts me. But then he moves on to the staff. Now the staff is the one that we're familiar with. It looks like this. It's got the big crook in it, right? This is the one, because this is what confused me. His rod and his staff, this is the only one I knew how to picture, right? But his rod comforts me as well. Let me, let me explain. The staff was this long pole that had a crook on the end of it that, that did this. It brought the sheep to the shepherd. Y'all missed it. Sheep have this tendency, I read you the list, they have this tendency to wander away. You don't drift towards God. He pulls you towards himself. I'm, I'm comforted this morning that when I'm about to go my own way and mess up, anybody ever gone their own way and messed themselves up? I'm thankful that the shepherd says, uh-uh, you can't get away from me, and he pulls me to himself. He pursues me. The, the other thing is this, is the staff brought sheep together. It connects. See, the, 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 the shepherd knew this, that he couldn't touch the baby lambs because if he touched the baby lambs, they would smell like human and the mother would reject. And so when a baby lamb would begin to wander away from its mother, he would reach out with the crook of his staff and pull that sheep, that little baby lamb, to its mother. He connected the sheep. We have a tendency as sheep not to get along with other sheep. All right, I, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to stop this message right now. We're going to go around the room. and I, Each one of you, I'm going to give you just a second. I want you to stand up, and I want you to say the name of every person in this room that bothers you. I know y'all acting like y'all all get along and smile. My sister's going to go first. And uh, no, I'm playing because I know who the first one on the list would be. <laughs> Me. And so what the shepherd would do knowing that is he would connect sheep. Listen, you need to understand that some of y'all are fighting fitting in. You act like you can do this all by yourself. 
that you don't need each other. And the shepherd comes into your life and he takes his staff and he connects you whether you want to be connected or not. Why? Because sheep need sheep. By yourself, you're defenseless. And so he will connect us. So even when we don't want to be in relationship with other sheep, the, the shepherd would push us and connect us. Well, the staff was also used to guide the sheep. This is how he would do the, the sheep, I watched this happen in Israel. I, um, we, we were in the Garden of um, Gethsemane, and uh, we were trying to be all spiritual and everything, and there was right down the hill in the little valley, there was a shepherd and the sheep, and they're loud, and he's constantly talking to the sheep, but he also had one of these, and every time a sheep would get where he wasn't supposed to go, he would just reach out and do this and push. He just leaned it up against the side of him, just put it right up against the side of the sheep and push to get that sheep to go where he wanted to go. Keep him out of where he wasn't supposed to be. How many of you know that our shepherd still does that now? He does it with his word. He does it with his Holy Spirit. He does it with relationships. How many of you have ever been pushed by God? You're going to be bruised when you get home. How many of you? Different sermon. Ever felt, you ever felt pushed? There are times in my life where I just wish my shepherd would leave me alone. But I have to stop and remember, he's a good shepherd. And he pushes me for my own good. There are places I want to go, things I want to do that he won't let me. And every time I start that way, we talked about it last week. Some of y'all have wanted to post on Facebook. And you're about to hit post and all of a sudden, I don't know where you feel. No, let me hit Enter, enter, enter. And the shepherd pushes you to stop. Some of you want to say something at work. And the shepherd just comes up and he guides you to keep your mouth shut. When, when we're as sheepish, when we're as sheepish as we should be, we keep our mouth shut. I want to treat people a certain way. But he guides me. The psalmist concludes the info on the shepherd by saying this, and I didn't list this on purpose, and I'll tell you why, and then I'll be out of your way. He uses his rod to staff and staff to correct, protect, connect, and direct, right? But then he makes this statement. He anoints. And I did. there's a whole teaching of that of why they put oil on the sheep's head and I get all that and, and you can go look that up for yourself and I'm not even going to deal with it. Because here's what I'm concerned about. I hear a lot of talk about pe- people wanting to be anointed. Everybody wants to be anointed. But nobody wants to be sheepish. We're all clamoring for anointing and yet... We won't let him guide us. We won't let him correct us. We won't let him direct us. And we certainly won't let him connect us. And I just got a question for you because I'm like y'all. I want, and I think I'm like y'all. I want to be anointed. But let me ask you a question Do you need to be anointed? If you're not connected, I hear people all the time saying, I want to be anointed, I want to be anointed, and they won't even talk to anybody. Well, what do you need to be anointed for? No, seriously. I need God to anoint me. For what? You're not connected to no one. You're not doing life with anybody. You don't recognize anybody else's needs but your own, but you want to be anointed. For what? If you want, listen, listen, this is what I, I I better get to my notes or I'm going to. Too many of us want to be anointed without being led, without being fed, without being restored, without being corrected, and certainly without being connected. I am convinced of this fact right here. If you spend time with the shepherd and you allow him to guide you and provide for you and to correct you 
and to protect you and to connect you and to restore you, then the, the result of that is anointing. And we want to fast forward to the end and say, God, anoint me and I'll do what I want to do the way I want to do it with who I want to do it with and you don't have any more say so because I'm anointed and I'm going to use all that anointing up on me and it's not going to have any bearing on anybody else and it's not going to benefit anybody else. It's just that I'm anointed. And what the psalmist says is that he will anoint your head but it comes at the end when you've already been guided and corrected and connected and restored and then at that moment the product of all of that is anointing. The reason that some of us are not very anointed is because we're not very sheepish. I'm going to say that one more time and then I'm going to close. The reason that many of us are not nearly as anointed as we should be is because most of us are not nearly as sheepish as we should be. And if we were in tight relationship with our shepherd, then anointing will come. So if you want to be anointed, hang out with the shepherd. I can tell you this morning that I am so glad that I can say that the Lord is my shepherd. We say it different ways, but it all means the same thing. He's a good, good father. He's my friend that sticks closer than any brother. Come on now. He's the lover of my soul. He is my king, my shepherd. And I want to tell you this morning that all I want to do is get close enough to him so that at easy promptings, one touch, I will go where he says to go. I get close enough to him that no chaos can reach me because he's taken me beside still waters. I go into a green pasture and I'm enjoying it and all of a sudden in the middle of my meal I wake up and I realize I'm there and I'm enjoying this because of what my shepherd has done behind the scenes and I stop long enough to thank him. I allow him to correct me and throw his rod right up against my stubborn head if he's got to because I know that in that moment he loves me enough to protect me when I'm downcast he comes and brings me balance he's my good shepherd so this morning as uh, Julie if you'll come and uh, musicians come this is what I want us to do I left us plenty of time you'll still beat the Baptists I want us to make sure that we're being sheepish. And the way to do that is you spend time with your shepherd. I, I'm concerned. Our lives are so chaotic and so crazy. Anybody else have a tra crazy schedule? I know it's supposed to be like summer and like this is supposed to be the easy light. No, it's crazy, isn't it? Burning the midnight oil. You know who gets cut out on that? the shepherd. And we're not nearly as sheepish as we should be. And the only way to resolve that is to spend time with him. So this is what I'm going to do. I, I left us enough time. Tari will come and close here in just a minute. But I, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your relationship with, with him is like. Some of you need provision. Some of you need guidance. Some of you need protection. You're walking through some dangerous moments in your life. Some of you need to be corrected. Some of you need to be connected. Some of you need to be restored. What's your need? The good news this morning is that the shepherd is here, and if we spend time with him, he will live up to what he's supposed to do. So as they play... I'm going to put this microphone down and I'm just going to ask you to find a place. Whether that's where you're sitting now and you turn and kneel or maybe you want to come to the front. Maybe you need to get to where you can lay down because he makes us lay down. I just want you to spend some time reacquainting yourself with your 
Father, this morning as we spend time with you, I pray that we would become very sheepish. We, we desire to be anointed, but we want to bypass all of the stuff that produces the anointing. And so this morning, I pray that as we spend a few moments, each of us in private prayer, I pray that you would reestablish communication. I pray that as our good shepherd, you would try to find those in this room that are cast, down cast, and you would bring restoration to them. You would guide. There are people in this room that need guidance this morning. They're, they're facing big decisions. They're making choices. They need guidance. I pray this morning that you would speak very clearly. Your word declares that your sheep know your voice. I pray that you would speak very clearly. God, if there's any of us in this room that need to be corrected, I pray that we would love correction, knowing that correction comes from love. By the time we leave this room, I pray that we would also be able to say that we're anointed because we've been with the shepherd. In Jesus' name, would you find a place to pray this morning and spend some time with the shepherd?
Trust in Him, the waves and wind 
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.